Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom and welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program. My name is Robert Walter, and today we're going to deviate a little bit from our normal programming because the fall feasts have begun. And we're very excited to present a talk that Mitch gave last year during our Trumpets to Tents conference. Now there's a lot of information to get through, so let's get started. We begin this season of the year, uh, Rosh Hashanah, uh, with the shofar, with the trumpet, and then we close it with the tents, uh, Sukkot, with the Feast of Tabernacles. And so that's where the name comes from. Uh, so I'm going to look at this, and um, if you don't mind, this is kind of going to be more of a Bible kind of message, if that's okay. So Leviticus chapter 23, verse 1. The Lord spoke again to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, The Lord's appointed times, which you shall proclaim as holy convocations, my appointed times are these. And so the Hebrew word is moed, M-O-E-D, and the Hebrew word moed can mean appointed times. The Bible translators like to give it a little bit more, you know, a um, little bit more power to it and make it a little bit bigger than it might be. But the Hebrew word moed really just means appointments. And so on Mount Sinai, God gave through Moses to the Jewish people, he gave a whole bunch of do's and don'ts. According to Jewish tradition, it was 613 positive and negative uh, commandments. And some of you I know are going to run home and count, but, but, but about 613. So along with the positive and negative commandments, God actually gave a calendar uh, to instruct the Israelites on how to live each and every day. Now, he didn't give the whole calendar. Actually, he just gave one festival a week, Shabbat. And then secondly, there are seven great festivals of the year. Now, four of those festivals are in the spring, unless you're like my wife from Argentina, because this fall is the spring. You know, you got that, right? <laughs> Even the constellations are in reverse. Okay. So you've got four in the fall, uh, four in the spring, and three in the fall. And so each of these festivals have similar characteristics, and you can learn about those characteristics by understanding the Sabbath. And when you sort of claw back, you know, the reality of the text and say, you know, why, why did God actually do that? I, I've been thinking about that for years, and my thought is this. Maybe you've thought about it too. And that is the Lord understood our frame. He made us. He understands the fall better than all of us. And he understands that we get lost on our way in the wilderness of this world. And so he invaded time and space through the holidays, demanding that the Jewish people take time away from their normal course of life and focus on him. And each of the festivals actually bring up something unique about God's plan and purposes. So that's what he did. So if you think of each of these festivals, including the weekly Shabbat, Sabbath, if you think of all of them, 
as retreats, I think you'll be on the right track. A lot of the characteristics of the festivals are found in what we learn about the Sabbath. So let me share it with you. For six days, work may be done, but on the seventh, there's a Sabbath of complete rest, a holy convocation. So you know the controversy, I guess, between Judaism and Christianity. So Christianity says that Sunday is the Lord's Day, and that's the day of rest. And Jewish people say it's Saturday, the, uh, after the six days of creation. And, you know, people go at loggerheads with each other. If, if you have a problem with it, just, you know, the Sabbath is the Sabbath, the Lord's Day is the Lord's Day. Okay? Of course, I think every day is the Lord's Day, but it's the resurrection day. Uh, so those who say, so I can get on one of my hobby horses just for a moment. So those who say that the, the real Sabbath is Sunday, the Lord's Day, number one, it's never called the Sabbath. In fact, it's never called anything. It's a great day. I mean, I, mean, I think it's a great day to worship because we all get the day off on Sunday, usually, most people. Uh, but the Sabbath is a day of rest and celebration for the Jewish people. And that's never really changed. There is something which a lot of you are familiar with, and we call it replacement theology, but that's a little bit negative, isn't it? The theological term is supersessionism, which means replacement, uh, basically. But some people create a whole theological system whereby Sunday now replaces the, the Saturday. But the theological system is a very important thing to, to take note of. And so when a Jewish person becomes a believer in Jesus, it's not easy to replace Sunday with Saturday because we, we're raised that way. So for six days, work may be done. But on the seventh day, there's a Shabbat, Sabbath of complete rest. So characteristic number one is rest. A holy convocation, characteristic number two is gathering together. You shall not do any work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwellings. Okay, so we understand that the Sabbath causes Jewish people to look back at creation. And when we look at back at creation, we remember that God is our creator. When we remember that God is our creator, then we recalibrate our lives to live under the authority and to do what our creator wants us to do. Because if we do what he wants us to do, we'll have better lives. And so if you go to a synagogue service, a lot of the worship in the synagogue on Saturday is the liturgy has to do with glorifying the God who is our creator. And uh, so every one of these festivals sort of look back at something that God did. And the interesting thing is almost all of the festivals, in one way or another, look forward to something God's going to do. So it looks back, and then it looks forward. And so uh, that's very important. Okay, there's the outline. So I want to talk about the roadmap to redemption. You can look at the festivals as celebrations or worship opportunities or retreats or whatever. But in a sense, the Bible also looks at these festivals in a prophetic way. They're what we call types. A type basically is something in Scripture that points to something future. And it, it doesn't give you all the information right away, but it gives you some of the information. And so the creation of the world is a historical fact. God created the world in six days. But it looks 
forward, it's a type, it looks forward to a greater day of rest. Now, the interesting thing is, as believers in Yeshua, as believers in Jesus, sometimes we seem to have multiple fulfillments of types. And so that the Sabbath was something that we understand from the past, but in a sense it was fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And then there's a greater fulfillment coming in the future because I believe we're going to see the Lord face to face. He's going to reign in Jerusalem. He's going to conquer his enemies and we're going to have peace and everybody can be under my fig tree if you don't get your own. <laughs> and so that day is coming. So you look back and you look forward, but you look forward in multiple stages. So you have an interim fulfillment, then you have a greater fulfillment. And theologians, again, have done all sorts of wonderful things in gymnastics, figuring out how to do this. Uh, so I just say that there's an interim fulfillment that is, ready? It's a good word, organically related to a future fulfillment. That's for you ve vegetarians. <laughs> So, why does that mean something to me? Well, everything I knew about Judaism was orthodox and I didn't believe any of it. <laughs> See, because in my Jewish bubble in New York City, you were Jewish and then you could be religious or you could not be religious. But we never said, well, how Jewish were you? We never thought in those terms. How Jewish was I? I don't know, ask my mother, you know, I mean, I don't know how Jewish I was, but I knew how religious I was, not very. And uh, did I believe in God? Mm. You know, the verdict was out for a while. And so then uh, I, I did a good job of messing up my life. So I went out to California. Of course, you know this whole story. And, and then my two best friends who were Jewish became believers. And so I started reading my Bible again. And then it was within about two months that I found the New Testament, read it and gave my life to Jesus. Amen. So when I say that there's an interim fulfillment, it's, I've experienced it. And maybe you've experienced it too. He's the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. He gives you peace. He gives you rest of soul. And if you have an antsy soul tonight, <laughs> then reach out to him, trust him and he'll give you rest. Okay. Um, a road to redemption. The road to redemption is found in the other various holidays. So first one is Passover. And we read about Passover in Leviticus 23, 3 through 8. And uh, Passover looks back, right? Looks back to the Exodus. The key point to the Exodus was that the firstborn males didn't die uh, because we took a perfect spotless lamb, we watched it, we killed it, we smeared its blood on the doorposts of our homes, and then the wrath of God passed over that doorpost, and they were alive. Again, remember what I said, it points backwards to point forward. So it pointed backwards to the Exodus, and it pointed forward and again, you sort of have an interim, a few interim fulfillments on the way to absolute fulfillment. 
Uh, one of my favorite passages of scripture is Isaiah 53. I wrote a little book on that one too. And in Isaiah chapter 53, we learn about a lamb that would be led to a slaughter, like a sheep before its shearers, so he would be silent. And it's almost like Exodus 12 was a sort of a charcoal outline. Isaiah 53 became more black and white, maybe a little bit of color. And then in John 1.29, we read about this incredible Jewish person who John the baptizer said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Is that the end of the fulfillment? Not quite. Because when a man or a woman, boy or girl, by faith applies the blood of the sacrifice of that perfectly innocent Lamb of God and applies it to their hearts, then the wrath of God passes over us and we pass from death into life. Hallelujah. That's why Paul said, even Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. Looking back, interim, looking forward, right? Uh, the next one is first fruit. Uh, and first fruit is debated when it happens, and you can read the text, but it really happens the day after the Sabbath attached to the Passover. And the priests would wave one sheaf, and that was the first sheaf of the harvest, and the prayer is, Lord, we've got one sheaf, bring it on now. You know, we, want, we need the rest. And then, at the Festival of Weeks, uh, where eventually the Holy Spirit was given in Acts chapter 2 for a lot of reasons. Uh, we count 49 days, then a 50th day, we offer two loaves of leavened bread, and that is the Feast of Weeks. Now, why is it interesting? Well, in the year that Yeshua died, he died specifically on the right day. He died on Passover. Coincidence, right? And then he rose on Sunday, which is the day, I, I just explained all this to you, right? Was that the Sabbath? No. It was the, when's the Sabbath? Saturday. Saturday. So Sunday was the day after the Sabbath. And that's when the first sheaf would have been weighed in the temple. So he, the Lamb of God died on Passover. He rose on first fruit. Well, that's pretty remarkable. Then you start counting 49 days and one, hence the Pentecost, 50. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter gets up and says, you know, these cloven tongues of fire, all these things that are happening, you know, this is exactly what Joel the prophet predicted would happen in the last days. And these Jewish believers who were filled with God's spirit began preaching in dialects that were understood by the many Jewish people who had come all the way from the Diaspora to Jerusalem for Passover, Shavuot, Pentecost, and one day would come for Tabernacles, but they were up, it was the Aliyah festivals, Jerusalem was crammed, and there in that little upper room, these Jewish believers were preaching in languages they didn't understand, but the other people understood. And that was the sign that God had fulfilled uh, his word. A roadmap to redemption. Well, if the roadmap works in the spring, what about the fall? That's a good question. So, in uh, chapter 23, we drop down to verse 23. 
Again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first of the month, you shall have a rest. There it is again. Common events. A reminder by blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. That's a terrible translation. Do you know why? Because the word trumpet isn't even in there. It's Yom Truah. And Truah does not mean blowing of a trumpet. Truah is the sound the trumpet makes. And so it's really Yom or the day of Tutut. It is. I would bless you with my imitation of a shofar, but it would scare you to death. So, again, don't do any laborious work. Present an offering by fire to the Lord. That's a new element to these festivals that we now see where it's sacrifice, and you'll find out all about the sacrifices of the festivals in Numbers 28 and 29. But here we learn there are sacrifices that are to be offered as well. So, why do I think that there's a real future for the blowing of trumpets? Well, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 through 17, you will see that the blowing of the trumpet will precede the coming of the Lord. Okay, so then the next festival is the most serious one, that's the Day of Atonement. And so on Yom Kippur, we have the holiest day of the Jewish year, and we have one of the most magnificent types and fulfillments in Scripture. Because on the Day of Atonement, we read on exactly the tenth day of the seventh month is a Day of Atonement. It shall be a convocation for you. Gather, you shall humble yourselves. That's a Hebrew word that does not mean fast, but that's how we express our humility. Uh, we humble ourselves by fasting. And present an offering by fire to the Lord. Lots of sacrifices. Don't do any work, for it is a day of atonement to make atonement on your behalf before the Lord your God. And then there are severe consequences for those who don't obey, just like on the Sabbath. Now, the Hebrew word kafar, which is translated atonement, means covering. So, essentially, the blood of the sacrifices form what some of the old commentators, some of the old Puritans, called a crimson cover for sin. So, the Day of Atonement looks back to the animals that were sacrificed in the temple, looks forward to the death of the Messiah, and then I believe that it might even make reference to something a little further, just like Rosh Hashanah, might be a little bit eschatological. Can I use that word? Okay, it means the end times. Because a day is coming in Zechariah 12.10 when the Feast of Tabernacles will be fulfilled. And in that day, on the Feast of Tabernacles, we're going to see something that's really incredible. First thing that happens in this end times Feast of Tabernacles is that the Jewish people turn to Yeshua. I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, and they shall look to me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn as one mourns for an only begotten son. In that day, the spirit of God will fall upon the, the Jewish people, the end time remnant that's about to be destroyed. Instead of being destroyed, 
God doesn't send down IDF soldiers in parachutes. Instead, God sends his spirit, turns the hearts of the Jewish people to Jesus the Messiah, and Jewish people accept Jesus. Then chapter 1 of verse 13 of Zechariah, and a fountain will be opened for sin and impurity. The hymn writer had it straight. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And then in the Lord returns. And then in Zechariah chapter 14, he's on his rightful throne. And all the Gentiles who are part of that kingdom need to come up on what holiday? Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles. And worship the Lord in Jerusalem. And so Tabernacles has always been the, the, the inclusion of the Gentiles holiday. Because it looks forward to a great day when Gentiles will be invited to participate in the kingdom of God. Now, it's a roadmap to redemption. He died on Passover. He rose on first fruit. The Spirit of God was given on Shavuot. The trumpet was blown. And you'll never see uh, New Year's in, in Rosh Hashanah. That's a Jewish, uh, basically, tradition. The trumpet will be blown before he comes the Day of Atonement will look back at what he did and his sacrifice for our sins and look forward to that great day of Israel's repentance. And then Sukkot, well, what's going to happen that day? The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters fill the sea. The day is coming when the whole earth will be his tabernacle and we will dwell with him forever and ever. Eventually, the new Jerusalem will come down out of heaven. He'll wipe every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more pain, no bitterness, because Yeshua will be reigning forever. Boy, fantastic. You can learn so much from the festivals, because they truly are a roadmap to redemption. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, we're in the biblical season known as the Fall Feasts, and in a book that's written by our very own Mitch and Zahava Glazer, titled The Fall Feasts of Israel, the three biblical festivals of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot are examined in depth. And we're inviting you to go on a journey with Mitch and Zahava as they share the biblical roots of these feast days the celebration of these days in the time of the Messiah, and how this specially set-apart season is celebrated by Jewish people today. This book is an invaluable guide designed to help you understand the biblical and spiritual significance as a believer in Messiah. The fall feasts are unique among the appointed times of the Lord, called Moedim, because the lessons they teach form a natural progression of thought from the Feast of Trumpets, which teaches repentance, to the Day of Atonement, which focuses on redemption, and the Feast of Tabernacles that talks about the good result of rejoicing. And you can request your free book by visiting us online at chosenpeople.com radio. That's a free copy of the Moody Press edition of the Fall Feasts of Israel by going to chosenpeople.com radio. You can also ask for the book by writing to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street in New York, New York, 10022. Or you can ask for the Fall Feast of Israel when you call us at 
And when you connect with us today, please don't forget to let us know where and how you're listening to this program. And now let's wrap up today's program with the Aaronic Benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.